And by the way, as we were watching that Jaron Hall touchdown highlight in the matte royal blue helmet mm-hmm. on the way in from break, yep. uh, there's also there's still a halo on top of that helmet, Jason. Um, that's because he's angelic. <laughs> This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. One of the legends at BYU, Heisman Trophy winner, Ty Detmer joins us now over Zoom. Ty, welcome back to the program. It's been too long. How are you? I'm doing good. Yes, it has. So things are good here in Arizona. And we saw you working directly with Max Hall, getting him ready for the alumni game. So how would you grade his performance after reviewing each and every snap that he played in that game? You know, I don't know if I had much to do with that, but that was the problem. Like, uh, Jack had asked me if I wanted to play in that against Max Hall. And I'm like, I know Max is going to train for this. He's going to (laughs) draw plays. I'm going to have to work too hard. So I don't want any part of that. Uh, But... (laughs) He did great. I mean, it was fun to see all the guys out there running around. Nobody got hurt. It looked like it was uh, a good time had by all. My daughter actually had a baby that day, so I was kind of on standby. So I couldn't commit to to be in there at that time. The real reason was she was due and had her her third kid. So I'm a grandpa times three. Wow. So. Congratulations. Grandpa Ty. Hey, don't let Jamal Williams hear about that because he'll add that to his repertoire of nicknames for you. Oh, yeah, it'll be it'll be something else. So, <laughs> well, Ty, it was obviously a success. Speaking of the the alumni game, so obviously you weren't able to do it last year. Are you willing to commit early? Would you be an early commit to the to the alumni game next year? You know, I I have committal problems. You know, <laughs> I, I like slow play things. I don't know if I'll have hunts at the ranch. I, you know, I kind of like about a month out. That's kind of my, my sweet spot for being able to commit to things. So not going to commit at this point. I know Steve Young is all in. Yeah. I know all his secrets. I played with him a year in the 49ers. So, you know, I'd feel more comfortable playing against Steve than I would probably Max at this point. <laughs> can you Can you at least give us the fact that the BYU alumni game is at least in your top three of things to do at that time? Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah, it'll be a top. I mean, like I said, look like everybody had a great time. It was fun to see, uh, you know, former teammates out there, former guys you coached. Um, you know, it, it looked like a lot of fun, a great group. And uh, it's always a good time being back at BYU. Uh, we'll look forward to the social media post that reveals what you will be doing at next year's alumni game time. (laughs) Ty Detmer is with us on BYU Sports Nation. Let's talk BYU football. The Cougars are coming off a couple of double-digit win seasons, 11 in that strange COVID setup with Zach Wilson in 2020, 10 wins last year, including a 5-0 record against the Pac-12, 6-1 against Power Fives. Jaron Hall is back. What is your early prognostication of what you expect from Jaron Hall in 2022? Well, I love Jaron. You know, he's a he's a great player, great young man. Um, you know, when I came back and coached there in 2016, seems like forever ago. But he was committed, and then kind of not sure what he was going to do, and and we kind of re-recruited him. And and I'd worked with Jaron at some of our camps we'd done there in Utah and 
in the past and just felt really good about him being a part of the program. And, uh, and he served a mission, came back. And so it's been, you know, six years since, uh, since we had those conversations. Uh, but you know, the guy's done everything. I think they've asked him to do. He's become the leader of the team. Um, you know, he's athletic, but you know, he's, he's showing that he can, you know, run the team, uh, run the offense and do what's asked of him. And then uh, when things break down, he's athletic enough to extend plays and, and get it to guys. And uh, obviously a successful season last year. And I really feel like he'll build on that this year. With everybody knowing just how good Jaron is, obviously everybody wants him to be in Provo as long as he possibly can. Uh, but there are a lot of pub- publications that, depending on which one you look at, in next year's NFL draft, they have him going anywhere between the first to the third round. What do you think of his his NFL prospects? Yeah, I think, um, you know, the way the game is, is moving, uh, everybody's looking for guys that can extend plays, create. Uh, run the system and uh, he's got a great foundation there at BYU I think most quarterbacks that come out of there will and uh, you know so again this it kind of becomes an age situation where you want to try to play for as long as you can and and so if you're 23 24 it kind of gets to the point where you got to get that clock started in the NFL at some point especially you know with a couple years of being the starter now he's got to stay healthy and go through the season and do all of those things this year to, to get to that point. But if everything goes as planned, I think, you know, he's ready for that next jump after this season. Ty, maybe you just answered the question, but what is the biggest question mark with Jaron if it's not just his ability to stay healthy for an entire season? Yeah, I think that's it, you know, is um, he, he's got to, you know, prove that again. And, you know, every year it becomes that, that's the main thing for quarterback, especially year two is just staying healthy and, and being smart. And, and then, uh, I know for me, you know, my second year being the starter was 1990, the Heisman year, but fortunately I'd been able to play as a sophomore and had that season under my belt, but you really get comfortable in that role. And, and then my senior year was just kind of, you know, you know, establishing myself and, and, being a team leader and and managing the young guys that were coming through that season. So uh, this will be that for him a little bit. He's got some guys coming back, but they also lost a few guys. So um, it's, it's getting those young guys to catch up quickly and, and help them almost become a coach on the field. Now, Ty, it's a different game these days. And I just want to point out that you finished third in the Heisman voting in 1991. I think BYU fans sometimes gloss over that because you won it in 1990. It was incredible. But you kind of had a knack for playing hurt and banged up. And so what do you attribute that toughness to, and how do you push that into the generation of football now? <laughs> well, I really didn't have too many injuries. You know, I mean, I, I took my shots, but I, I really wasn't injured much. And I think uh, – you know, maybe only being 175, 180 pounds uh, <laughs> to go with the hit a little more. But, um, you know, I, I think growing up, just my dad was a football coach and you always heard about toughness and this kid's tough kid and those kind of things. And so it just probably kind of ingrained in me that, hey, you know, never let them see us stay on the ground, you know, that kind of deal. So no matter kind of the shot you took, I always tried to get up and never wanted to be helped off the field. So uh, probably being a little undersized too, had a little chip on my shoulder. I had to prove that uh, I could do that. So 
Ty, not only do you obviously know Jaron Hall, but you've worked with Jacob Conover as well. So you know BYU's top two quarterbacks. What do you what do you make of Jacob as he goes into this year as the backup to Jaron Hall? Yeah, Jacob's, uh, you know, he's a guy I actually offered uh, while I was there and felt really good about him too. So he's been down here working with Max, uh, you know, when he's in town uh, back home and, uh, you man, he's got a strong arm. He's really uh, throwing it well, throws it accurate. Just watching him in high school, uh, smart kid. You know, he wasn't known for taking off and running with it, but I remember, you know, watching him in a state playoff game and he pulled it down and took off when he had to. And, you know, just a real competitive kid that um, loves the game, you know, and, and so they're in great shape right now in the quarterback room and, uh, you know, in a day where a lot of kids are leaving for greener pastures or what they think are greener pastures, proud of uh, him for hanging in there and, and kind of waiting his time and learning it. And it'll pay off for him uh, when he does get his shot. So, you know, excited to see Jacob get an opportunity too at some point down the road here. Now, Ty, based on what you've done as you went through your NFL career and Brett Favre and Michael Vick, among others, have talked about just your mastery of understanding defenses. What would you say is the most important thing for a guy like Jaron Hall and even Jacob Conover, because they have NFL dreams too, what's the most important thing that they need to work on as they pursue that? Well, I think every offense is a little different. Um, so I'm not, you know, in there and, and understanding what's going on. But for the, for the most part is, you know, a lot of the pre-snap, looks you get um, is understanding kind of eliminating certain routes in a play where you can simplify it for yourself. And, and I think with Jaron year two in the system, you know, being the guy uh, he's really been in that system now for about four years. So he's got a, I'm sure a great understanding of it. Now he can kind of eliminate some of the noise, some of the routes that, you know, you don't need to, to have to look at when you understand his cover two it's, you know, tight end to check down or, you know, single high. All right. Maybe look to take a shot and then get to check down. So, you know, as you go through the offense, it's really about making the game simple for yourself and, and not trying to do too much at times. But, you know, and then there's situations in a game where you got to make a play and uh, he's got that ability. So uh, it's, it's managing the game. And then when the time's right, take your shot. You obviously know a little something about football in the state of Texas and Big 12 country. Um, obviously, everybody's just beyond excited that BYU will be joining the Big 12 coming up in 2023. From a football standpoint, what do you make of the fit between the Big 12 and BYU? I think it's a great fit. You know, the, the, obviously the South, they love football and, and a big part of it. And, and BYU travels well. It'll be uh, – It'll be exciting, I think, to for one, to be in a conference. I've always said really need to be in a conference and have those opportunities to to play teams every year, get familiar with teams, and and uh, it helps you to really kind of scheme and game plan and, and understand what you're going against every year. So excited for the team that way. And then, uh, you know, excited for the fans in Texas. You, you know, the southern part of, of the country will get to – to see a lot of the football games. I'm disappointed Texas didn't hang in there, and that might be a guaranteed <laughs> win. Uh, 
uh, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it'll be a fun conference. I think it's wide open. You look at the points scored every week and, and, uh, you know, I think BYU is a great fit for going in there and then having a chance to be successful right away. Yeah, I'm hoping that Texas does stick it out for at least two years and BYU gets to play them each of the two years because the Cougars have had a nice history against Texas, and you played in one of those big games. Everyone wants to talk about what Taysom and Jamal did against Texas in 2013. Ty, you were part of a 47-6 to win over Texas in 1988. So did you? were you the man that started the dominant run for BYU football over Texas? No, that's probably Sean Covey. I think <laughs> I, here before Bob Jensen, we played at UT and I was red shirting and we beat them down there. It was a tighter game, but then uh, that next year, Sean Covey lit them up and I got a little mop up duty in the fourth quarter. So I did get to play and completed a few balls. I think that game, but that, it, can't take credit for that one. Okay. Uh, yeah, you're right. Two for three that game. Uh, you did complete a 44-yard pass and a touchdown in that game. You had a passer efficiency rating of 355, Ty. I, I think you put the fear of BYU into Texas late in that game. No, they were already beat up by the time I got there. So <laughs> you, you said you kicked Max out of his office to do this interview. Is Max, like, off camera right now? Is he listening to all of this? You know, uh, Max gets to come in a little later, but he's here later in the evening generally with the middle school AD side of things. So um, I don't have an office here, actually. I kind of prefer to stick and move. That way they don't know where to find you. They don't know if you're there or not. So I just borrow Max's office in the mornings if I need it. So. Fantastic. Well, Ty, before you go, I think all BYU fans uh, just want to know uh, how you're doing, how your family's doing overall, and um, you know what your specific role is down there. Obviously, you're coaching football, but what else is happening in your life? Yeah, things are great. Um, kids are doing good. Grandkids now. I've got three of those, so um, you know things just keep moving on. And uh, head coach down here at ALA Queen Creek, and and uh, then. Uh, I work for our district too. We've got five K through 12s here in the Phoenix area. And I help kind of oversee the athletics for all of those as well. And, um, but really more full-time here at, at our school here, it just, it takes a ton of time with being the head coach. And fortunately got a lot of help with, with Max and James Wierenski or DC. Dennis is leaving us next year, moving back to California, I think. So uh, Shimon Willis is actually going to come join us and help us out. So we're gonna we're gonna upgrade over Dennis with a little youth. <laughs> athletic. So, um, but no, we're it's a great spot. We're having a good time, and uh, you know you get to be around the boys. They keep you young and energetic, and uh, you know it makes it for a fun work environment. And never feel like we're at work, you know. Here, so uh, we're having a good time, and everything's great. Fantastic, so. Ty. It's great to talk with you. Thanks for the time. Let's do it again soon. All right, sounds good. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Ty. Ty Detmer, the Heisman Trophy winner at BYU, head football coach at uh, ALA down in Arizona. He's getting it done. Uh, Look, I have said this many, many times. Ty Detmer is the reason I'm a BYU. Like, that's when I moved to Utah, it was at the beginning of Ty's career. He was the guy. He's he's the guy for me. Like, it's it's just unbelievable (laughs) to talk to Ty Detmer. Absolutely love it. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation.
This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. BYU is roughly 15 months away from full inclusion in the Big 12 Conference, Jason. I know that you are counting down the hours, uh, probably I, the minutes. The, the seconds, actually. Okay. I, I, so I sold yourself, <laughs> your, yourself short there. Uh, okay. Which BYU team, after 15 months, when the Big 12 invitation is complete and BYU is fully integrated, which BYU team will rise to prominence the fastest in the Big 12? See, this is why this is a little different because normally a question like this you have to sit and ponder. You know, you maybe have to reflect a little bit. This one was super easy for me. Really? Like, it didn't even take a half a second before I had my answer. For me, the answer is women's volleyball. Okay. Immediately out of the gate, I think women's volleyball has the best chance to hit the ground running and immediately be in contention day one. Even with Texas in the conference for the yes. first two years. Yeah, I think women's volleyball is that team. And look, speaking of Texas, we already know that there's a pretty good little rivalry going on between BYU and Texas. And I'm not talking about you know football in terms of schools. I'm talking about in volley- women's volleyball. They've met... We know that it looked like BYU was going to advance. Texas comes back and knocks BYU out of the tournament. So uh, there, there's, always, there's, there's that already. But I just went and looked at the, the D1 women's volleyball rankings, according to the AVCA coaches, okay. the final rankings okay. last year. And I just looked at where BYU was and where the Big 12 teams were. The first Big 12 team to nobody's surprise, is Texas. Okay. So you go in assuming Texas is right there at the top, yep. day one. For at least two years. For at least two years when BYU comes in. But you know who was number two in the rankings? Now, nine in the rankings, but in terms of all of the Big 12 schools it's and not, BYU? It's BYU. It's BYU. Yes. BYU was number nine. Then right behind BYU in, at 10th was Baylor. I think day one, BYU goes in and is immediately in contention for conference championships, the very first match they ever okay. play. And then when Texas goes, if BYU hasn't already surpassed them in the two years, BYU, in my mind, then immediately goes to that top rung. Okay, it's become very clear upon review of all of the BYU sports and where they will fit in the current Big 12 as we project over the next 15 months that the women's sports at BYU, in large part, Jason, are already there. It's not just women's volleyball. It's women's soccer, women's basketball we feel like will compete, women's track and field, women's cross country. The women's sports feel like they're ready to go right now in the Big 12. And that leads me to my answer because it's a program that's already there. It's men's and women's cross country. They're, they're already there, Jason. They're already at the top. So whether they're competing in the West Coast Conference or competing in the Big 12, literally in the last three years, they're winning national championships on the individual basis. And in the men's case, as a team, and then I mean, the women's team also national champions. Let's go! Uh, they're the runners up this year. So if you just look at the teams in the Big Twelve right now, plug and play, the women's team would be atop the Big Twelve. The men's team, based on last year's finishes, would have been third behind Iowa State and Oklahoma State. But if you go the year before that, then or the year before that, you could make an argument that BYU men are the best team in the Big Twelve. So. Again, it's not like, oh, cross-country. We, we know that car- cross-country is not, uh, for discussion, the sexiest sport because it's not a quote-unquote big-money sport. But that, if we're talking a program that's ready to rise to promise, they're already there. 
Like, men's and women's cross-country are already there. They're already at the top, Jason. Look, we, we realize that the two prominent sports, football and basketball, they're the driving force in all of this. But I think what we've just discussed once again re-emphasizes what BYU is bringing to the table in terms of an entire athletic department. Just see the Learfield Cup standings. It's, and I agree with you 100%. It is pretty interesting to look at most of the teams that we talk about that probably, look, it's, they're on the women's side. Look at what the women's sports on campus are doing and the position that they've set themselves up in to jump into this conference. Now, in terms of where BYU men's basketball, in terms of where BYU football is, I think, I think let's just start with BYU football. We've said this before. I think BYU goes in and it starts right in the, I would say in the middle of the pack is kind of where you start. And it, that's, and that's not, that's not anything that would be looked at as a negative. You're going into a conference that you've never played in before. That is to be expected that there is going to be a learning curve in this. Does that mean that they can't win immediately? Well, of course not. Especially if Jaron Hall decides to stay for his senior year. Absolutely. But I think that's where if you're just saying, okay, wh- just eyeballing it, where do they come in? They are, I, to, In my opinion, they are not the bottom part of the Big 12. I think they start right in the middle, and then you begin the climb up the conference. So to me, that's, I think, where, where football goes. Basketball, we know the conference that it's jumping into. It, it's, the, it's the best basketball conference in the NCAA. So where the, we don't know. And right now, we don't even know what the roster is going to look like in terms of what's going yeah, in there. Basketball-wise, every team in the Big 12 last year finished, I think, 86 or better in the net rankings. Every single team in the Big 12. All 10. The worst team had a net ranking of 86, and that's out of 351 Division I basketball teams. Every night is going to be a battle in the Big 12 when it comes to men's basketball. That, so, no question, like, it's not saying that, oh, BYU's just – they're just not on par. They can't. They're not good enough. Come on. It's, the transition is, is notable because they're playing now in the toughest conference. Yes. There are three Gonzagas, and there are three St. Mary's within the Big 12. Yeah, they're, they're, the, the issue that BYU has dealt with, look, and let's be honest, and BYU has lost to some of these teams. We've seen this every year where the, the bottom part of the conference kind of pulls everybody else down. That's not the case in the Big 12. It's just not. Yeah, BYU could be like 75th in the net rankings and be like second to worst in that metric in the Big 12. That That yeah. is a reality. right? So on the men's side, it's, it's, I was looking, I'm like, okay, the women's sports clearly, as we've stated, are crushing it right now. They're ready. They're ready to make the move and compete immediately within the Big 12. I know some of you are saying, well, you said women's basketball. What about Baylor and Oklahoma? Did BYU women's basketball not go on the road and play Oklahoma to an overtime game that they probably should have won last year? Like, BYU's not that far off from women's basketball either. No. I know Baylor's another level, but, like, the Cougars are right there. They're in the top tier of the Big 12, even in women's basketball. On the men's side, like, well, which, which sport's going to get it done? I mentioned cross-country and track and field. Okay, outside of that, Jason, like, what's the answer? I don't know. Is it football? Like, are, are the expectations shifting now to the point where it's like, okay, football after track and field will be the team that will next make the fastest ascension? Because we just it, talked, it could be. We just talked about basketball. Like, oh man, that it, it feels near impossible. Baseball's that's a loaded conference in baseball. Is what's the road for BYU baseball? 
Like, I don't know. I don't know. Is it football? Is football the next fastest sport on the men's side behind track and field to make the ascension? It might be. It, it could be. And, look, a lot of it's going to depend on how things shake out in terms of what the schedules look like. Are they going to go to divisions? Are you just going to play? I mean, because if if you are in a – there's not going to be an easy division, but obviously there's there in all likelihood there's probably going to be at least – out of the gate, an easier division if that's what they decide to go. And now I'm not even sure that they're going to do that anymore. But depends on who you're going to face every year, what type of competition that you're going to have in your division. So all of that stuff plays into it, but I don't think you're crazy to say that it may be football that would be that next team. Right. Well, and there are several definitions to ascension, right? Like what what is the top tier? What is prominence? Within yeah, are the we Big talking 12? about winning, it, winning a right. conference championship? Yeah, what is the word we use to ask the initial question is prominence. What is prominence defined within the Big 12? Is that top three? See, I think it's top three. I, I is think it winning the championship? Well, that, well that certainly is. That's the, that's the apex of it all. But I think if you're talking about ascending to prominence, I think you're certainly, certainly top two. But you could probably make a case for top three. If you're the upper echelon, the top three in a division – especially if it's really, really good, which we expect the Big 12 to be, then, yeah, I would say I would categorize that as ascending. Uh, to prominence. To prominence. Okay, well, here's the thing. You know who the third-place team in the Big 12 was last year? It was Oklahoma. It was Oklahoma. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to so, be fun to play so, them for two years. So if that is prominence, like, yeah, like top three, Oklahoma was the third-best team in the Big 12 last year. Like, if BYU is on that level, are we calling that prominent? I am. I would think so, right? I'm going to call it prominence. You're a top 20 team. You're the third best in a Power 5 conference. Let's go. It's just wild that BYU football, right now, okay, right now, you think middle of the pack. Okay? Well, I think that's just realistic where you go in. You could be, you could be higher. You could be lower. I'm, I'm going to say that you go in and you're in the middle of the pack day one. Now, what you do with that remains to be seen. Right, but right now, if we are looking at BYU as a preseason top 20 team, yes, are they not already in a position? If they were to be in, moving into the Big 12 this year, would they already be in a position of prominence if they are a preseason top 20 team? Okay, but what does that mean? Where, where does that put them, though, in the Big 12? Where does it put them? Yeah, it depends on what teams in the Big 12 are preseason ranked. That, it, it, that all depends. Right? Yes. Oh, I love that we're discussing this. Let's bring it. I love the conversation. Is, is it July of 2023 already? The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Joining us now is the newest member of the BYU basketball team from the transfer portal, leaving Coastal Carolina to join Mark Pope in BYU. His name is Rudy Williams. Rudy, I feel like every time I say your name, since you've announced we should break out the Rudy chant. I, I don't know, but like I know BYU fans are super excited to have you. How does it feel to be a part of BYU Sports Nation? Uh, man, so far, you know, it's been super exciting. It's been super fun. The fans of They've showed me nothing but love the entire time. You know, even during the process before I even announced that I was going to come to Provo and all that. So, you know, it's just been super cool and uh, I'm happy to be embraced by Cougar Nation. Well, you, you were telling us before we started the interview that because you're still in Myrtle Beach, you're still wrapping things up but before you head out this direction. You said you're playing pickup with the guys and they were giving you a, a bit of a hard time for coming to BYU, huh? 
Yeah, they were, but you know, I threw the Y up after I made a couple shots. And, you, know, <laughs> you know, it's all love, though. The guys, you know, they're still my guys. I would like to point out that you are the second Canadian in as many days that have been our feature guest. Uh, talk to us about your backdrop with Canada. Where'd you grow up in Canada, and how'd you make your way into the United States uh, to Kansas State and the Coastal Carolina? Uh, well, I'm originally from Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. That's just a little bit outside of the Toronto area, probably about 30 minutes outside of Toronto. And when I was about 16, you know, I asked permission from my from my mom if I could, you know, move to America and like, you know, go to a basketball school, you know, obviously in pursuit of a scholarship. And, you know, by the grace of God, you know, she let me because I don't know how many um, parents would let their 16 year old be responsible <laughs> you know, leave the country and go live somewhere to go get a scholarship. But, you know, thankfully she did that. I did two years in the junior college ranks. And then uh, after junior college, I went to Kansas State. And after Kansas State, I transferred to Coastal. And now here we are right now. So so we obviously know how big hockey is in the in the country of Canada. Was hockey ever uh, a, a, an emphasis for you? Was that ever something that, uh, that piqued your interest? Or has it always been basketball? Uh. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I cannot skate to save my life. <laughs> so I don't know. Hockey would have paid the bills, honestly. Um, I knew a little bit about it. You know, obviously growing up, it was it was everywhere growing up. But I never got involved. Like, I've never even been to a skating rink ever. Hey, listen. It was basketball. I played a little soccer, too. It's all good because you can just put defenders on skates, right? You can get your, hockey, you can get your hockey feel by, by putting guys on skates yeah. on the basketball court. Hey, don't, don't feel bad, Rudy. I've never, I've never been on skates. I've never been ice skating. <laughs> I've been roller skating, but no ice skating. So you're not alone in that, Rudy. Yeah, I was always just afraid of, like, you know, hurting my ankle or something like that because those things, I don't know, they're dangerous. I can't. They're just not for me, honestly. Rudy Williams is yeah. with us on BYU Sports Nation. We noticed that Cosmo was a part of your photo shoot when you were at BYU. How did you pull that off? Uh, okay, so I was, you know, getting ready to come to Provo for my official visit. And, you know, they were asked, the coaches were asking me if I needed anything. And, you know, I, it was always in the back of my head, but I didn't want to be like, you know, that that high-maintenance guy. But I was like, listen, I, you know, I asked Coach Pope, I asked Coach Figure, I was like, listen, this is my one, you know, like spoiled request. And, you know, they were like, you know, it's no problem. You know, we got you, we got you. And, you know, when I came to Provo and did my photo shoot, he was down there waiting for me uh, in the in the studio. So I was like, it was the craziest thing to me. And, you know, after seeing him on the internet all the time, I was like, wow. I was like, that's actually him. I'm a big fan of him. And, you know, I was I was excited. How did you first, honestly. how did you first find out about Cosmo? Uh, just through the internet, TikTok, really. Like this was, you know, before the transfer portal stuff, you know, you're just I'm on my feed and some BYU stuff came up and then I seen Cosmo and I was like, I was like, this dude's insane. You know, he's doing all these tricks, <laughs> the AO and tail thing. I was like, wow, you know, he's, he's number one for sure. <laughs> so obviously besides Cosmo and the role he played, what was the determining factor? Why was BYU the place for you? Honestly, just the, the coaching staff, you know, they were really authentic with me when they were recruiting me. They didn't lie. You know, they kind of just, they shot it straight with me. And that's what I appreciated. They were like, listen, you know, this is what we're going to do for you. This is how you're going to help us. This is how we're going to help you. And, you know, I came back home and like BYU checked all my boxes. Literally. I was like, you know, like these guys literally have everything I'm looking for, everything I'm interested in. So I was like, to me, it was a no-brainer when I left Provo. You know, I still had to go through the recruiting process, but to me, it was a, it was a no-brainer for sure. 
Let's dive into that a little bit more, Rudy. How will you help BYU specifically, and how will BYU help you? Let's start with what you bring to the program right now. Uh, you know, coming in, I feel like I'll bring, you know, tons of experience. You know, this is going to be year five for me playing college basketball. Uh, I'm an older guy, obviously, so I feel like I'm going to bring a lot of leadership in the locker room, you know, from day one and stuff like that. But then, you know, on the court, I feel like I'm going to bring, like, you know, an aggressive an aggressive presence offensively, defensively too. You know, I feel like I'm going to make my teammates better. I'm going to get guys shots, you know, like you know, Trevin and Spencer. I'm going to get those guys a lot of shots, Gideon as well. And then, you know, Foos and Atiki, I'm going to try to do my best to get in the lane, you know, help the defense, like, you know, draw attention to me and then drop off for those guys to get them easy buckets. And then, you know, I feel like I'm just going to play really hard because – it's my last go around in college. Like I'm, I'm going to give it all I got that much. I do know. And uh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. That, that's the interesting part. It's something I wanted to ask you about with this being your last year, you're, you'll be in Provo for one season. What do you want out of this year? Like if you could write the script, what's this year turn out to be? Honestly, I just want to do something special. You know, one of the goals of mine were obviously to play in March Madness tournament and, um, BYU did that in the 21 season. So, like, you know, that's not far-fetched. That's one of my goals. And, then, you know, I kind of just want to do something special with the guys, you know, that, you know, a couple years down the road I can look back and be like, hey, you know, my last year of school, I did that with these guys. And, you know, it's just something like I, I want to hang a banner or something or get a ring, you know, just do something special, you know, like leave a legacy. Now, you are the first in this specific offseason to take one of the – open scholarship positions for Mark Pope. There are a few others, and they're busy working in the transfer portal. So, Rudy, with you leading the charge, you mentioned leadership. How much of a recruiter do you become now to try and get other guys to come to BYU with you? Uh, well, I committed Saturday around 2 o'clock. Uh, I would say, you know, Saturday at 2.05, I put on my recruiting hat. You know, I kind of, <laughs> you know, I put my phone to the side. Everybody was congratulating me, but I was like, no, nah. I was like, let's get to work. I need some other guys, you know. So, you know, I, I made a joke with Coach Rio. I said, you guys are going to have to put me on payroll because, you know, I'm working my butt <laughs> off. What what do you make? Uh, now, granted, there's obviously going to be other additions because there are spots to fill. But, you know, you mentioned guys like Foose and Tiki. What what, uh, what type of relationships do you have already with, with your teammates? Uh, I would say I have pretty good ones, you know. Um, on my visit, I met all the guys, you know, the guys that were still in pro, Foose, Tiki, Gideon, Trevin. And, you know, I've been texting and talking to them, you know, since the day I left. Trey as well, too. You know, shout out, Trey. Um, so, yeah, we've just kind of just been wrapping it up a little bit, you know, just talking about, you know, how fun it's going to be next year, you know, what we're looking forward to and all that. And, you know, like I said, also just been also trying to help recruit guys as well. So You know, it, it's you're, you're in an interesting situation in terms of, you know, you're still at Coastal, you're trying to wrap things up there, but you've committed to BYU. So you, you've kind of got a, a toe in here and a toe in there. What What's that sort of in-between feel like right now? Uh, it's helping me, you know, multitask and, you know, manage a lot of stuff at once because, you know, I'm also, I'm looking forward to BYU. Like, you know, every day I do something that involves, you know, me getting to BYU and me getting to Provo. But then I also understand that I got to finish up business here, you know, take care of stuff here. And, you know, I, I, I'm still here. So I got to live in the moment. I, I have no choice, but to, you know, so I still got to go get my shots up. I still got to get my lifts in. So, you know, it's, it's helped me, you know, micromanage stuff and you know just help me just finish the job really 
BYU basketball transfer and now senior Rudy Williams with us on BYU Sports Nation. I know that guys are hesitant to do this, but if you had to compare your skill set to, let's say, somebody at the top of the game in the NBA, because BYU fans always want to know, well, what type of player is he? Who would you compare your skill set to in the NBA? Um, I'll try to say this as humble as I can. And like, I'm not comparing myself to him, but you know, I really try to do a lot of stuff that, you know, Chris Paul does, you know, I, I study him a lot. You know, I try my best to emulate what he can do on the floor. So he would be, I would, I would say Chris Paul. Is that why you wear number three? Um, honestly, yeah. I I don't know what I'm going to do next year in Pro Bowl. I might stick with the three. I might go to zero because that was one of like my original numbers growing up, but I don't know. I'll see, but CP definitely, uh, you know, I, I study his book a lot. So, so does that mean right now, maybe you're pulling for the Suns in the NBA because of CP three. I know you, you grew up near Toronto. So you Raptors guy. What's where, where do your NBA affiliations lie? Well, the Raptors got bumps pretty early. Yeah. So yes, but I'm going to still go out there and say that I've been pulling for Phoenix, you know, to win. They right now, you know, they couldn't they couldn't steal one in Dallas, but they're coming back to Phoenix for what is it, game five? Yep. Uh, and yeah, I, I I really feel like I want Chris Paul to get one so bad, but I really feel like they have the entire team, you know, to get the job done. They got all the pieces. Rudy, obviously BYU fans very excited to get you on campus and get you going with uh, Mark Pope and the guys. So when will that happen? What's the timeline like for your arrival in Provo? Uh, nothing is like for sure, for sure right now, but. To my knowledge, and after I spoke with all the coaches, I should be getting to Provo at the end of June. So, like, you know, around mid midway through the summer. All right. Well, over the next six or seven weeks, uh, we're going to send you some BYU Sports Nation karma to, you know, as you said, multitask, get everything taken care of in Myrtle Beach and get to Provo okay. In the meantime, hopefully you can trash talk uh, in a major way against those coastal guys and show them what's up. I'm, I mean, after this, I'm headed straight to the gym. We're going to put some more pickups, so I'm definitely going to there we go. Wise up <laughs> when I make a three or something like that. So, love it, Rudy. Great to meet you. Great to have you on the show. We'll see you again soon. Back here in Studio B. Sir, appreciate you guys. Thank you. You Thanks, got Rudy. It. BYU basketball commit Rudy Williams on BYU Sports Nation. Okay, I was excited for him when he committed. I'm even more excited now that we've talked to him. Look, and major props for having his own poster in the background. By the way. Why not? Yeah, I, yeah. No, I love and, that. And his jerseys, right? I love that. Yes. That is yes. amazing. He knows who he is. He knows what he brings to BYU. I love how self-assured he is yes. of what he is going to do for this BYU basketball team. That's a tough question to answer. Hey, what are you going to do? How are you going to help right. this team be better? Well, but look, I mean, the question I asked him in terms of what you want out of this year, it's like he just wants to do something special. Whether it's hanging, he wants to be able to look back on this one year in Provo and it's like, yeah, we did that. I was a part of that. I couldn't, have, I couldn't have thought of a better answer than that. He, it was perfect. Yeah, no, clearly mature will take on, as he said, a leadership role as be some experience that BYU so desperately needs at the point guard position. And he emulates Chris Paul. You know, say what you will about Chris Paul. That dude is an unbelievable point guard. Yeah. Uh, look, if, if he wants to emulate Chris Paul on the yeah. court, I have no problem with that. <laughs> feel, feel free, Rudy. We oh, welcome mean, it. You mean shoot like 70%, you know, from the field yeah. and like never turn the ball over and dish out well, a million assists? In game, in game four. He had a lot of turnovers in game four. And he fouled out. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio.
The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. All right, PFF, that's Pro Football Focus, has Clark Barrington fourth on their top five inside offensive lineman list. Okay. And 68th on their big board for 2023 with Blake Freeland also getting a little, uh, a lot of pub. Is there any concern we're overhyping the BYU O-line? Uh, no. <laughs> I think that the offensive line is adequately hyped, Jason. Like, they've been really good the past two years. Yeah. And they've got basically everybody back this year, but they've upgraded. So, no, Blake Freeland is a projected top 15 pick by two different notable publications. Now Clark Barrington's number 68 on the big board from Pro Football Focus. Kingsley Suamataia is going to have to battle for his starting spot, and he's a five-star recruit. Yeah, there's there's no chance we're overhyping it. No, they'll be, if they'll anything, be really good. If, if we're going to go on opposite ends of the spectrum, if anything, we're underhyping them because they're going to be really good. They'll and they're be, going to be really good for a long time. They'll be one of the top 15 offensive lines in all of college football. Agreed, 100%. BYU student Tanner Hawley tweeted out the following last night, and I quote, my roommate just got home from playing in a Provo Rec basketball league. He played Puka Nakua's team, and he said Puka dropped at least 40 points. Dude is a freak athlete. Glad he's on our team. Hashtag BYU. Uh, should Mark Pope at this point give Puka a call, Jason? I don't look. Here's the thing. We've seen the multi-sport athlete. It, it's it's not uncommon. Uh, now, here's the thing, though. You If you, you lose him... If he goes and plays basketball in November, it's kind of an important month for college football. So, so, but then if you if you're Mark Pope, then you don't. If he says I'm going to do football first and then come join basketball, you're going to lose him for a month. So, I I like Puka right where he's at, and I think Mark Pope has got things handled, and he'll be uh, he'll be bringing some guys in to fill those spots. Yeah, Mark and his guys could call Puka all he wants. Kalani will be interrupting said calls. You hear That's this? Not, it's like this click, the, like somebody's <laughs> clicking into the conversation. It's not going to happen. Yeah, call waiting. <laughs> yeah, going old Kalani. <laughs> the best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. BYU plays at Stanford on Saturday, November 26th. That's Thanksgiving weekend. The Saints and Taysom Hill play the 49ers the next day in San Francisco. Uh-huh. Question, have you booked your Thanksgiving weekend <laughs> travel plans to the Bay Area? I have not technically booked them, but mentally I am absolutely making preparations for that. I'll be the road reporter for that BYU-Stanford game to close out the regular season. And then uh, our guy David Nixon just so happens to have a connection with Taysom Hill. He's got a connection. You should. And I, uh, I'm pretty close with the Warners, so I'm, I'm probably going to try and work something out. Probably now think about the, the small world of things. Taysom commits to Stanford, plays at BYU, and now plays for the Saints. Wild. And that's all going on in the Bay Area. In the Bay this Area. It's great. All right, Dave. BYU is among 27 other teams in the latest big game boomer post on which fan bases think they will win the national championship every year. <laughs> I love the BYU's on this list. Is this surprising? I mean, how. It's nice that Big Game Boomer put it where you don't really see the why. You know, it's not like really in the middle at the very top. 
<laughs> you know, you got to look down there and go, is that West Virginia in the corner? Washington what? But there's the why right there. I, I, I don't think BYU fans expect to win the national championship every year. They expect to beat Utah every year. Are there enough blue goggles on the desk to support the notion <laughs> that BYU is going to win the national championship every year? It's great to be mentioned. It's great to be thought of. No, but I'll say this. There is a lot of truth in the idea that BYU fans, there are dreamers that think, what if? What if? What if? Well, they've won a national championship, so they can go over to the yes student athletic building and stare at it and go, we're number one. Yes. Well, our friend Jerem says he believes it's the best and worst thing that ever happened to BYU fans because they won a national championship, which is awesome. But then now is the expectation that they're going to go and win it every year. You know, my dad was head of the Cougar Club for 25 years and during that time. And what that did to fundraising and oh. galvanizing Cougar Nation means everything considering where they're now with fundraising. And we have fans all over the world watching this show. Go back to 1984, and, and you salute the quarterbacks that came before. But being number one incredible, changed everything. Speaking of big game boomer, earlier this week they had BYU 27th on the home uniform rankings list. Okay. Got a lot of lists. Okay. Director of Football Ops Billy Nixon then tweeted, expect BYU football to move up the list this season. Hashtag BYU equipment. What does he have in mind, and what's your ideal home uniform combo? I, I don't know the specifics of what Billy has in mind, but if he says expect BYU to move up that list, I 1 million percent am buying in. I trust Billy Nixon and his new guy Josh Hewitt from UNLV, who yeah. did a fantastic job down there with way fewer resources to come up with something fantastic this year, whether it's new helmets, new color combo, I don't know. It's All I know is I'm buying it. It's going to be fantastic. I know that they will move up this list. We were in Vegas when they took the field in the All-Royals for the season opener Such a last clean year. Look. And it was like, hey, that looks better than I thought. Yeah. And then we watched the highlights and looked back and go, man, that pops. I mean, they, they got a handful of things, but that one's tough to beat. Now, I, I will say this. I loved BYU's look against USC. Yeah. Royal pants. White jerseys and the royal blue helmet. And, and a great contrast with the green grass yes, and the Trojan stuff. We've learned that the royal blue helmet this year will not have a matte finish. It'll be a shiny royal blue finish. So I would like to see that one. Royal blue helmet with the shiny finish, white top, royal blue pants. It's going to look good. It's going to look so good. All right, Dave, are you more impressed by the walk-off single after four and a half hours of baseball by Jacob Rogers last night? Or this rally cap hat tower, which got like, I don't know, 30 minutes of airtime. For a while there, they were only showing the hat. And I was going, <laughs> isn't there a game going on? This is the middle of the night that this is all going on. I don't know how that guy's neck is doing today. But uh, they, they need a, a break for him tonight. Uh, no extra innings. A much cleaner, crisper, and better performed game for the baseball team. This is a series they can't be messing around with. Pacific's in last place. BYU's got to take BYU's trying to get up there and stay in the middle of that group of six so they can get to the conference tournament, which is in two weeks. They can't be messing around. So if that hat was one of the differences tonight, so be it. But that kid's neck, it's going to be a lot of whack for a while. There are more than like, there are more than 10 hats stacked up on his head. That is incredible. That, like, that is great. But as, as amazing as that is, BYU had to finish the deal last night. 
and they needed Rodgers' walk-off single. That, to me, is the most impressive because it was so crucial that they not let the first game slip away against last place Pacific. And they, the starter didn't get out of the third inning. Their closer blew it in the ninth inning. This was not a good game for BYU across the board. Even Trent no. Pratt saying that afterwards. They were fortunate to grind it out and win, which is what good teams do. But they've got to play better tonight. you got to play cleaner and, and, and all that. I think lost in all of the 12 innings and... And all that stuff was the the man who went out and threw out the first pitch hey. last night. Okay. Uh, and the question is, um, how did you do? How did you felt you did? You know, the video shows how you did. How did you feel? It wasn't. Listen, I was not trying to break any speed records, clearly. But I threw a strike. And that was that's what mattered most to me, is it came across the plate. And Cy Nielsen came up to me and he said, I'm not kidding. I think that's the first strike that's been thrown in every game this year of all the first pitches. So that meant something to me. Okay? Because when you get out there, like, I was warming up and I was feeling fine, but then you immediately feel the pressure when you step on the mound. It's, t- it's a game changer. Everybody's looking at you and you're like, okay. Don't so, throw it in the carpet. Yeah. So I just kind of relaxed and did, I was like, I'm not going to try and burn it in there and go 15 feet in front of home plate. It was, it was okay. I'm glad it was. I'm glad it went across the plate. I'm glad you threw it in there. I'm glad it didn't bounce. I think you represented all of us. Well, some of the BYU players are like, uh, Spencer, I'm pretty sure you didn't even register on the radar gun. <laughs> so we're going to have to have a throw-off between you and Shep to see who can actually throw the ball harder. Listen, 18 of those guys struck out last night, so they got <laughs> nothing to say to you. Uh, I had a chance to throw out the first pitch up in Salt Lake with the Bees, and I, I, uh, it was going to be a lot of pressure because there is, and I did it in Vegas a couple times. But I got, I got with the manager beforehand, so I got up on the mound, and just before I threw it, I had him come out and pull me out of the game. And he signals <laughs> over to my son, Andrew, who's just like, what? He goes, Andrew, come in. You're throwing the pitch. So he was mortified, went up to the mound, fired a strike. Oh, that a boy, Andrew. It was a sweet night with the, with the beast. But it, you get up there on the hill, it changes. It's, it's especially pressure. Especially when the ball's right here and you're like, don't throw wild. Don't throw wild. Just throw to the mid, and you threw to the mid. Nice hey, job. We got it done. I was happy when it was over. <laughs> the best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Listen to this, Jason. FanDuel has BYU in a trio of big-time games as a favorite in just one of those three. Two-and-a-half-point favorite at home against Baylor. A six-and-a-half-point underdog at Oregon. And a nine-point underdog in Las Vegas in the Shamrock Series against Notre Dame. What is your reaction to the lines and the projections of those three games for BYU football going into the 2022 season? You could argue the three biggest games that BYU will play. Yeah, look, uh, ultimately, I, I think they, for the most part, I, I kind of like where this started. I mean, not that I like the fact that BYU is an underdog against Oregon and Notre Dame, but like I can, I can understand the rationale. Um, I love the fact that BYU is a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home against Baylor. I, I, I think this is going to be a very, very close game. So, look, and as we've seen, Vegas always knows something. They're, us- they're more right than they are wrong. So my first initial reaction to this was it, it kind of makes sense with where they've landed on these. Okay. I, I would, you know, the fact that or at Oregon you're under a touchdown underdog, I like those odds. Like, okay. I'll, see, I'll see what BYU can do up in Autzen, less than a touchdown underdog. 
I, I, I don't think BYU's scared to go to Oregon oh, and play. They shouldn't be. Absolutely. Certainly not. Oregon has a brand-new head coach. Mario Cristobal left for uh, Miami, which he has significant ties to. Yep. So they got a brand-new coach, brand-new system, and it's early in the season. And they're in the Pac-12, Jason. So why would BYU be afraid yeah, I, of I, Oregon in the least so, at this yeah, moment? Yeah, so I, I, don't, I don't mind that BYU's less than a touchdown underdog because I think BYU can handle that. Now, some backdrop here. Typically, home field is worth about three points. Right. Okay? So if you're going to play a game on a true neutral site, let's say that Baylor and BYU were going to play in Dallas or Oklahoma somewhere, then it would probably be like a pick game. But because this game is in Provo, they're giving the nod to BYU. Which makes sense to me. I am a little bit tentative to buy into the six-and-a-half-point underdog at Oregon. I for the reasons that I just stated, like typically, even though you're a big name, teams like Oregon, when you have a new head coach, there's just an adjustment period. And again, it's early. It's week three for BYU. So I would put this game probably at like a four or five point favorite for Oregon. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not ready to give Oregon a full touchdown against this BYU team. And it's not a lot. I get it. It's not, it's not, it's not that big of a difference. I just think BYU... Um, is a little bit better than being a touchdown underdog at Oregon based on what Oregon did last year, what they lost, yeah. and how they looked late in the season, and who they are coming back. Like, I don't, who is Oregon there this year? There are far more knowns about BYU than there are without about Oregon. Question, the without fact, question. Look, the fact that it's at Autzen, we know what the aura is around Autzen Stadium. But you're right. There are a lot of things that have changed. Now, we know the type of talent that the Ducks get year in and year out. That, that's, that's not going to change. They get the talent. But that's why I said, like, I'm not scared that BYU is a six-and-a-half-point underdog early on. Now, we'll see where these lines – look, we have months to go before these are locked in. So I, I will be curious to see where this goes. But BYU goes in as the team that you know more about. sure. sure. Yeah, I'm, I think that the 2.5 favorite against Baylor makes a lot of sense. Yep. Uh, Baylor lost a wealth of talent as well. I know they're the defending Big 12 champs, Sugar Bowl champions. They lost some dudes. So they're not going to bring the full accoutrement of talent that we saw in Waco last year to Provo. And it's a different game in Provo. You know, it's, it's BYU's home opener. It's going to be raucous. It's going to be crazy. Like, so I think that's fair. I would put the Oregon game probably with the Ducks as like a four or five point favorite. I don't. I don't think six and a half um, is accurate. Just be, because I'm not buying into Oregon. Maybe my opinion of that changes when I see Oregon play their first two weeks. But right now, why? Why would I think that Oregon all of a sudden is going to be this world beater? Okay. Do you, so do you have any qualms with the nine point underdog to Notre Dame? Yeah. Would you? <laughs> would you fluctuate that at all? I. I think that. I'd probably put that as like a seven point. See, that's kind of where I was at. But I mean, two point difference. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna gripe about that. Like you knew Notre Dame was gonna be favored in the game either way. But th- this is again, this is not a game that I, I think BYU goes in and is scared of. Well, no, again, no. This is the BYU team that's won 11 games and 10 games in the last two seasons, yeah. and they return a ton of experience and talent. So of course not. No, BYU will not be intimidated by anybody they see on the schedule. There's no world beater other than. Maybe Notre Dame. Notre Dame, we think, will be the best 
and most talented yeah. team on BYU's schedule this year. And that's saying something because that includes Baylor and Arkansas and Oregon, right? All right, that actually leads into our uh, second topic here. We know that Utah is not on the schedule, and that would probably be the answer to this question. It was if, last year. Yeah, if they were on the schedule this upcoming season. But with no Utah on the 2022 football schedule, which game is the one game you want BYU to win the most this season? Undoubtedly, it's week number two. And here's why. BYU is going to start the season as a top 25 team. Maybe a top 20 team. We'll see what the AP writers decide to do in late August. But BYU is going to start as a top 25 team. Assuming BYU goes on the road and they handle their business against South Florida, an improved South Florida team, but handle their business against USF and Tampa, they're going to come back to Provo as a top 20 team and have a top 20 home matchup against Baylor. If they win that game, Jason, now it really gets interesting. Then the hype train starts once again for BYU. Oh, they looked good against USF, and they just beat the defending Big 12 champions and the Sugar Bowl champs in Provo. They're 2-0. They're a top 15 team, and they're going to Oregon with just tons of hype. If BYU beats Baylor and exacts their revenge, if you will, this will put them on a path uh, that could lead to something very, very special. So I... They will have a ton of confidence going to Oregon. Um, and, and, again, people are like, well, you should want it just because it's revenge. Like, they beat up on BYU last year. No, no, it's not so much about that for me. It's about when this game is played and what it would mean for BYU at that juncture of the season in terms of creating national rhetoric and a big-time national ranking. I mean, think about that. If BYU wins that game, they're 2-0. and Yeah, and it sets They're a top-15 yeah. team going to Oregon. Who knows what Oregon's done? Then it, it, just, it just really, really generates a lot of excitement and national attention on BYU. Now, if BYU loses to Baylor, then it just kind of, ugh, ugh. They lost at home to Baylor again. Now you're 1-1, one and one, and you're probably out of the top 25 going to Oregon. So it's because of when that game happens okay. and what it means for BYU's potential national ranking that I want BYU to win that game, make an early statement at home, and then create the buzz. It's all sound logic. I, I completely understand where you're coming from. But as strongly as you feel that the answer is Baylor, I feel the same that it's Notre Dame. And the reason is you talk about getting that notoriety nationally and where BYU is going to start. And if you have some wins, the win that's going to get BYU the most national publicity is beating Notre Dame. Now, obviously, it's at a quote-unquote neutral stadium. BYU will be well-represented, but Notre Dame's going to have more fans than BYU. It's just the way it's going to be. But we know that BYU is going to be there in droves. Sure. Well, the, the it's BYU the, it's will the be Shamrock well Series. Yes. Like, it's a Notre Dame yes. home game, technically, in Las Vegas. But, so, yeah, they're going to have at least three-quarters of the ticket along. Well, and right now, the way-too-early top 25 rankings, Notre Dame is the highest-ranked team on BYU's schedule. They come in at number six. I think they will be the highest-ranked team when BYU plays them. Okay. So, for me, I think BYU gets the most bang for its buck with a win over Notre Dame. So that's why I go that direction. Okay. Uh, well, again, there are no wrong answers, wrong answers because this is what you want. It's what you want, yes. right? This is not what BYU needs the most. This is strictly what you want as somebody that watches BYU yeah, There's no football. wrong answer to this question. So for me, I, I just want that early season Unless hype. you say I, Utah Tech. I want the hype to be there early in the season to propel BYU to something potentially very yeah. special. No, I agree. I mean, I, I can understand that. I just think BYU gets more out of a victory over Notre Dame than any other school. Okay.
the wagon wheel has wobbled off the track, Dave. As you just told us, BYU and Utah State will not play a football game against each other for we don't know how long, at least through the year 2026. That's a long time away. Four games going away, and I would like to set this up with some quotes, first from Athletic Director Tom Holmo at BYU. He said, quote, As we prepare to enter Big 12 membership, we've had to make many adjustments to non-conference games on our future schedules. We are grateful to Utah State for being a willing partner in scheduling games throughout the years, especially the last decade as we've navigated independence. While we don't have the Aggies scheduled beyond 2022 at this point, we will continue to work together to play this in-state game again in the future, end quote. Okay, now from the Utah State side and their athletic director, John Hartwell. Quote, Utah State and BYU have a long-standing history of annual competition on the football field, and our goal is to continue the rivalry. While we are disappointed to see the series go away for now, we are committed to working with BYU to find scheduling opportunities in the future. All right, Dave, now that you've heard from both sides, we've read the quotes, we've had the night to think about it, you've heard from your children on several accounts. What is your reaction to the Utah State game going away for the next four years? And a big question mark as to when these two teams are going to play again. I've got a, a column coming out in the Deseret News today, uh, kind of capturing the thought of it's collateral damage that comes with progress. BYU's moving this way, and in this move, the damage is you lose some important things. This is an important game. Uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about Utah. Utah's a must game for these yep. two schools. Yep. Utah State's a, a fun game for these two schools, but it's, it's not a, a must game game, especially now that BYU has a whole new world in in front of them. But it's a fun one. It's conference weekend. It's tradition. We're going to miss this one more than people think. Initial reaction is, ah, we're heading to the big time. We have time for that. Reality is, BYU's been playing them for so long. There are families that go to both places with plenty of history. There's BYU money that pays for Utah State educations, as the McCanns are clearly uh, (laughs) part of. It, 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 it's part of us, and so in that aspect, uh, I'm sad that that game's going away. Yeah, I don't like it, and I said as much when I speculated that this game was eventually going to go away. I mean, we yeah. read the tea leaves. We saw, hey, look, if the Big 12 goes to a nine-game conference schedule, and this right here signifies that there is a very, very, very good chance that the Big 12 is going to nine games. Right, because, because they've canceled all the games exactly, but three. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Like, why would you cancel the Utah State game if there was still hope that, hey, there's going to be an eight-game conference yeah. schedule? Yeah. You wouldn't. BYU yeah. would probably play this game if that were the case. But now these fun rivalries and longstanding ones, in the case of Utah State, are going by the side. The budding rivalry with Boise State through Independence was really fun, too. That one went away a few months back. And now, yeah, I don't, I don't like it. I, I like that this game is played. I like the wagon wheel. I like the tradition. I like that Utah State has become more competitive in sure, years absolutely. past. As uh, our guy John Wilner from the San Jose Mercury News pointed out so aptly yesterday, Utah State has won three of the last seven. <laughs> okay? I, I like and that. And BYU's won uh, 21 of the last 26. <laughs> don't let details get in the way. John Wilner's fact. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I don't, no, I, I would prefer to keep this game. I like it. I think it's a lot of fun. This is a, this, the difference between this rivalry and the Utah rivalry is um, this one is pleasant for the most part. You know, the student body up there is notoriously uh, 
uh, aggressive, and, th- and that's how they, they like to do stuff. And so they make it challenging for the, for the team bench, and basketball sees that. But, but for the most part, uh, everyone likes each other. And uh, in, in, in the Utah part, you've got the fringes on both sides that make life uncomfortable for everybody with the things that they say and do. And again, that's on both sides. But this one seems to be a rivalry where everyone is mostly in the middle. And uh, really, for one week, it matters. And for the rest of the season, it doesn't, no matter who wins or loses. Yeah, for me, like, and I've talked to Jerem about this on a few occasions on this show, when Utah State is done playing BYU... I don't mind seeing the Aggies do well. Yeah. It, was, it was great to watch them win the Mountain West last year. And they had an awesome year last year. Well, 11 fantastic games. bowl game. They finished ranked. Come on. I, that, that was great. It and was I, and great. I, I don't have those feelings for the other school. Exactly. That's why it's different. Yeah. That's why it's a little bit different. That's why you, <laughs> we term this as like, ah, oh, it's a fun rivalry. And then the game with Utah is just straight up rivalry. <laughs> and when, when notable things change in our life, uh, initially we just, you know, we just deal with it and, and move on. But then we start to think about it. And, and uh, since 1946, it's either been BYU, Utah or Utah State on, on BYU's schedule every single year except for COVID. Every yes. single year. Yes. So which brings us to our stat of the day. Let's double down on that. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. 78 years running, Dave. 78 years running. BYU has played either Utah or Utah State every season with the exception of the COVID year that you just pointed out. What in the world? It took World War II, okay? It yeah. took World War II and a global pandemic to prevent BYU from playing either Utah State or Utah. But now Big 12 inclusion is what's causing the collateral damage. And the biggest thing these two schools share in common is Lavelle Edwards. He was a Hall of Fame coach here. He played football up there. And the last meeting, which might be for a long, long time, it seems appropriate that conference weekend, because the, the predominant religion in the state also connects these two fan bases. The, the last meeting is at Lavelle Edwards Stadium on the 29th. Uh, the, the man who, uh, who both schools claim yeah. and, and, and who have, both schools have put in their respective Hall of Fames. Uh, but the history is rich, and, and we lose that a little bit. So then the, the, the debate becomes, well, okay, who are we replacing them with? If it's got to be three games every year and we look at the future schedules, uh, who's out and and who's in? Yeah, let's dive into that. But before I do that, I will say one thing I will not miss about this rivalry is season-ending injuries to quarterbacks (laughs) on both sides of the football. Yeah. Like, it's been primarily BYU, but Chucky Keaton suffered a season-ending injury for Utah State in this game. So I won't miss that. And their quarterback last year got hurt late in that game yes. and uh, Logan Bonner and had to had to miss a couple to get I don't like that that's not a good game I don't for like that so I won't miss that okay now to your point 2023 we feel like we know the schedule now with Utah State gone BYU will take on Tennessee at home which will be a home opener for the ages oh man BYU will then make the return trip to Arkansas and Fayetteville because Arkansas is playing in Provo this year and then the Cougars will have a game with FCS foe Southern Utah, which I think is the right move. But we'll get into the, why we think that is the right move for BYU a little bit later. And then in October, uh, we will get the first opponent in the Big 12 for BYU for yeah. 2023. So we'll know who, who's coming in at 11-25. Uh, Pretty crazy. This October, we'll get Utah. our first Big 12 schedule that features the new schools, including BYU. All right. Well, look at 2024. Things get a little more challenging there. Still because loaded, yeah. There's still a bunch of teams there. And, and all right, here you're coming into the team buffet, and you can pick three for your plate. Who are you taking? 
Uh, well, I know that Nevada has already been locked in, so I, there's no way around that. And Utah's locked in. And Utah definitely feels locked in after the two-year hiatus. So at that point, Dave, for me, it's an FCS foe. It's Dixie State or Utah Tech, which they will eventually become. Yeah, that makes sense. And so Wyoming, I know Cowboy fans are hoping to see the Cougars over there. Now, so they, as they've much been as thinking Tom of yelling Homo stuff and, at yeah, them for as decades. As much as Tom Homo and BYU and Kalani, I'm sure, want to go to Laramie, I'm <laughs> guessing that game is going to go away. Now, 2025, we're looking at Stanford here, uh, Utah here, and then um, Utah State game's gone. So Probably somebody's got to go there. An FCS opponent. Yeah. Now, depending on how the Big 12 schedule shakes out that year, whether BYU has four or five home games, they could have as many as eight home games in 2025, at least seven. Yeah. And based they try, on how that's shaken up. They try not to have more than seven because ticket prices go. They have to go up because yep. you're paying for another game. 2026 and beyond, it's, it's so far out. Like, yeah. it's, it's, Tom Homo has time to take care of those games. So that's why we look primarily at the next three seasons. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Joining us now is the BYU Radio football analyst, former BYU quarterback, man that led the Cougars to 10 wins in his final season. Riley Nelson is with us over Zoom. Riley, welcome back to the program. Happy Friday, albeit I don't know how happy you are on this Friday because I'm imagining that you're a little bummed this series is going away. How, would, how do you feel about Utah State and BYU not being played for the foreseeable future? Yeah, it's uh, it's tough. It was a game. Look, I, if you were to ask twelve-year-old Riley or maybe fourteen-year-old Riley that was diehard, you know, bleeding Aggie blue and just watched his dear Aggies get crushed year after year after year, I'd probably say, "Hey, it's probably good for us to take a break. Let us catch our breath, you know, try and develop the program and, and come back when we can make it a little bit more competitive." But over the last decade, it's been a very competitive and back and forth. BYU still has the edge in it, but it's it's been back and forth. There's been some very memorable games, although not great memories for for BYU with the string of quarterback injuries in that game and stuff. But it, it's always uh, over the last decade, it's been a game that's provided a lot of quality entertainment, not just for both schools' fan bases, but for the state overall. But that said, uh, all good things must come to an end, and everyone's. Look, if I'm on either side of this argument, obviously on BYU, I'm excited. We're finally back into a conference and a P5 conference, which was kind of the goal of heading into independence, into independence in the first place. And then Utah State's coming off a conference championship, a double-digit win season, you know, and uh, and having a ton of success in their own right. So I think uh, for both programs, I, while it's sad for us as fan base to not have that kind of brotherhood rivalry. I think as far as the programs, they'll continue on their independent paths um, to what I think are bigger and better things. Utah and Utah State played forever. I think they played 25 more times than 
BYU and Utah State, and they're meeting for the 91st time uh, in September. But after Utah went to the Pac-12, there were a couple of dates that lingered, but then came uh, 2015, and that was it. And, uh, and they're not on the schedule, and there doesn't appear to be any interest at all from Utah to go back and rekindle with Utah State. And they don't have to. But it's a blueprint of where BYU's going now into the P5, into the Big 12. And so we wonder if uh, there will ever be a time when BYU goes back to playing Utah State. What do you think about the future beyond 2026? I sure hope that they make it a priority, just as they said in the statement that was released yesterday. I think in the course of 10 years – if they can perhaps get three games in, I'm okay with that cadence. And I think it allows both sides. Listen, if we were, I think in the South fan bases, they don't look forward to, I'm thinking about the Florida schools, right? You got Miami, Florida state and Florida, obviously Florida state, Miami are both in the ACC, but you've got Florida. And it seems like those, those three teams are content to use that non-conference game to play each other every year. Uh, and eat up opportunities to go elsewhere. But that's because the South School, you know, Alabama, I remember a few years ago, they didn't travel more than two hours away from Tuscaloosa throughout the whole, throughout the entire regular season. That's just kind of a different brand of football. Here in Utah, I feel like the fan bases look forward to opportunities to go across the country, to play in some of these storied stadiums, go back to the uh, Midwest and play against Big Ten schools, play in a marquee stadium like the Cougars get to go play Oregon and Autzen Stadium, which they haven't played there many times over their history. That's something that both and speaking for both fan bases, I know it's something Utah state definitely looks forward to the fans really gear up. They travel well and they love those experiences of going across the country. And if you lock down the, you know, those non-conference games are precious. And if you lock down one, that's only kind of a, a 90 minute or a two hour travel a two hour journey. It's one that everybody's accustomed to uh, the fan bases um, might become a little bored to that. So I guess what I'm saying is, while other schools seem to make it work, their fan bases have long accepted it. I truly think that uh, if you were to take away those opportunities for greater travel and greater exposure tra- across the country for both BYU and Utah State, I do feel like the fan bases would feel something was taken away. So um, coming back to my original statement, if they can somehow get three games in over the course of 10 years, uh, I think that's great. But any less than that, um, at least for me personally, I'd feel uh, would be too little. Former BYU quarterback Riley Nelson on BYU Sports Nation. He's the current BYU football radio analyst. I know you're well aware of next year's schedule, and as we look ahead at Tennessee and Provo and now Southern Utah and Provo combined with the road game at Arkansas, it makes sense to me why BYU dropped Utah State next year. I don't like it, but it makes sense. The following years, I think that's where Aggie fans are kind of like, hey, why can't there be room for us in 2024 and 2025? Like, why have to push it out beyond 2026? So, Riley, what would you say to Utah State fans about why this makes sense for BYU? Because it's not personal. If anything, it should be a compliment because I'm sure Tom's like, Utah State's too good. Uh, we, we need a break of sorts. What would you say to Utah State fans that still just can't wrap their heads around this? I'd say give uh... – Tom, whether he's, you know, I'm assuming he's going to be here over the long run, but they, BYU has a backlog. Our contract or our scheduling agreement with Utah State is not the only one. Keep in mind, this BYU uh, into the Big 12 thing was happened somewhat fast and furious, right? There was an opportunity there and it was seized by BYU and everything works out to land them in the conference. But that didn't automatically or immediately erase all of the scheduling agreements and all of the plans that had been in place for independence over, you know, to 2025, 2026, and beyond. We have we had games scheduled uh, under the framework of independence 
well beyond those times. And, and Tom still is having to kind of do, figure out where do we place those games while now dealing with the conference schedule. So I'd say within probably two to three years uh, in the big, most of that will be sorted out. And then uh, BYU's athletic department and Utah State's athletic department will have a perhaps a more predictable or, or a future in which they can plan things out over the long term and get a little bit more regular cadence. But essentially, we're in a transitionary state. Um, it's going to take a couple of years to work through it. So if Utah State fans could just be patient with BYU's athletic department, I believe Tom and, and also the other leadership of the university athletic department, when they say that they, this is a very important game to them, a very important matchup and rivalry, and that it will be preserved. Um, it's just treading into these new waters. There's going to be an adjustment period. Speaking of opportunity, uh, the reason you're on this show and the reason you're the BYU TV football analyst and the reason Cougar Nation knows who you are has everything to do with this Utah State rivalry. You, you transferred from Utah State after your mission. You're the backup quarterback. And then Utah State comes to Provo, Cougars get behind, you come onto the field, you lead this dramatic comeback, a tipped ball into the end zone to Matthews for a touchdown to beat the Aggies, and then it's your job moving forward. So you are invested deeply in this Utah State-BYU rivalry in a number of ways, but, but just think about where you are this morning from that game and what came after it. Exactly, Dave. And that's why I don't want to see this rivalry go away. I, I think, think about on the other end for, for Utah State, Nick Vigil, who was a guy that uh, out of Fremont High School that wanted to play for BYU, ends up signing with, ends up not getting the scholarship offer at least. And who knows, you, you always get those recruiting stories. Anyway, ends up at Utah State, gets a chance. I don't know if you guys remember in 20, the game when Taysom got hurt, I believe it was 2014. Um, when he hurt his leg and Nick Vigil was playing both ways. He had an interception. He had like 10 tackles and he also had two TDs because they put him in at running back. And, you know, he made his name and in the, he was able to kind of extend his legacy in the, in the state football lore by, because of this rivalry rivalry game. And there have been countless others. And so um, not just the fact that I, I was from Logan and happened to play at BYU and, and play at both those schools, it, it provides an opportunity for, college football players who grew up, grew up in this state to play against other players who grew up playing in this state, or at least at a greater clip, at a greater proportion, especially as you look at the Utah-BYU rivalry, and Utah continues to seemingly recruit less and less in-state players and more and more out-of-state players. Utah State and BYU, which BYU doesn't look like they're deviating anywhere from you know, rule number one of recruiting, which is win your home state, is they continue to sign the best players out of Utah, and Utah State continues to try and get you know, as much talent as they can out of, out of their own home state. It, there's a unique dynamic to that rivalry there. And then for kids like me who grew up playing in that, play, watching that game to then get the opportunity to play in it and have a meaningful impact and kind of put your stamp on, on that page of history um, in the state for the game of football in the state of Utah is something that cannot be considered lightly and, and I would hope is would not be thrown away just because of conference affiliation changes. Riley Nelson is with us on BYU Sports Nation. Okay, Riley, let's push it ahead to 2022 and this current BYU football team from one quarterback to another. As you look at Jaron Hall, I'm seeing everything from a projected first to maybe third round draft pick in 2023, but um, there's still question about his health. What do you expect from Jaron Hall uh, in the 2022 season as BYU navigates their final year of independence. I don't need to say this to Jaron because I know his head is in the absolute right place. So I'll just say this to the fan base. Who was the number one ranked quarterback going into this last year's draft? Spencer Rattler out of Oklahoma, 
right? And he wasn't even draft eligible. So anyway, this is a guy who ends up losing his job, having to transfer. He's not even sure if he secured the job at his new place in South Carolina. So like throw all the mock drafts, throw all the predictions out the window. And I know that that's what Jaron, I know that's where his mindset is at. He is one, one step at a time, one game at a time, one practice at a time. He's got such, and you can see it in the way he plays. He's got such a calm, poised, and just like intentional demeanor. I have no wor- I have no worry that he's focused on the task at hand, which is being the absolute best quarterback. And, and right now in the summer, preparing to be his best heading into week one in all aspects, not just from a skill development, from a mental aspect of the game, but that also means from recovering from injury and working on preparing his body for injury prevention and to be more durable than he has been in the last couple of years. So I guess my one petition to fans is let's not give any ammunition for outside distractions for Jaron or his teammates by buying into all of that, uh, all of that prediction stuff. Now, as far as the task at hand, at hand for him. Yeah. I mean, He's been incredibly productive. He is the unquestioned leader of this football team. The the last, and he's proven he can do it all. He can make an impact on the game with his legs. He can win a game through the air. The, the last bit for him is to be able to somehow, tra- and, and listen, this is a fleeting thing. Even, and I don't know that I'm the one to really be speaking on it because I struggle with injuries uh, throughout my own career too, but hopefully he can find a way to bulletproof himself against uh against injuries because to quote a former byu great nfl hall of famer the best piece of advice i ever got from steve young is the best ability is availability right being out there week in week out for your teammates if jaron can lay that last piece of the puzzle look out because this byu offense is going to be scary good man it feels like as simple as just him staying healthy and we're staring at potentially another double-digit win season. Riley, great stuff. We appreciate your insight into the rivalry uh, and your analysis of Jaron Hall. Let's hang out again soon. Anytime, fellas. Thanks for having me on. We've got a Riley Nelson, outstanding BYU football analyst. There's something uh, that, that works with the fans and the teams when a quarterback plays through injury. It galvanizes the team. Yes. Like if you play with a broken back or Jaron with his busted ribs, and a bad ankle. And a bad ankle. And you'll go out and lay it all on the line. Your teammates do the same. Absolutely. Uh, we've seen evidence of when that hasn't been the case. But when, when you see, uh, you know, when Ty Detmer got there with a big bandage on his chin and stitches because there's no way he's coming out of the game. How do you not play hard for that guy? Yeah, or a separated shoulder when you're down 30 points against Texas A&M in the Holiday Bowl and he's still going out there. Or you're playing with a foot injury. Like Liz Frank, the Taysom, came back out of the locker room and Amazing. played in the, against Nebraska. Yes. You just you you fight for those guys and Cougars fought for Riley and uh, and we saw them fight for for Jaron last the, year. Yeah, so you're right. A great point. Yeah, and the fight will continue. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Joining us now is one of our all-time favorites, the head golf coach for the BYU men, Bruce Brockbank, on the show. Coach, looking swag-tastical as always, the hat, the pullover. The hat is amazing, by the way. It's fantastic. Got to thank Coach Miller for that. He knows his stuff, right? He sure does. You just, you know, all the things that uh, you need done right, you just turn it over to Miller. Okay. Well, there you go. Todd Miller. Also, I hear he's okay at golf, too. So, <laughs> Yeah, he's really good. <laughs> Your team is preparing for regionals, uh, and we ask you similar questions every year, but 
let's mix it up just a little bit. What makes this team unique and ready for the regional setup compared to maybe some of the previous teams you've coached? You know, this team has a little, well, a lot more depth. And so we're hoping that that will be part of our success at the NCAA regionals. Uh, in the past, we've had some, you know, first team, second team, All-American. Incredible stars. Team. Yeah. And so our depth, I think, is uh, has helped us in the last three or four months as we've uh, gotten in a position where we could get a NCAA regional bid. And uh, the guys have played really well. So, I mean, you, can, you can't take it away either. Carson Lundell, our uh, number one guy, he's... Uh, He's played great for three and a half years, and uh, he'll continue to play well, and he's a big part of that. But the depth, I think, is uh, helps us a great deal. Well, you maybe answered the question right there mentioning Carson, but who has been the most – and I'll ask two-part, really. Who's been the most consistent player for you? And in terms of the team and consistency, what have you done the most throughout the year on a consistent basis? What are you pleased with? Well – what we've done the most is try to get a little bit better around the greens. And uh, I think the guys have done a great job with that. Uh, just our short games. You know, the, these guys hit the ball really well. Um, hit the ball uh, if, in in most cases where they're aiming. And we just had to fine-tune a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> had to fine-tune a little bit uh, our short games and, and make a few more six-footers, you know. If we could just get one more each guy, you know what that does for the score each day. And, that you know, that's four shots a day, uh, 12 for the tournament. Makes a big difference. Uh, you got so many great teams around the country. you got to be the team that's uh, making those putts if you want to, you know, get the, the lower seed, if you will, or the better sure. finish. Now, if Carson is the most consistent player then who's on his heels challenging him every day? You know, uh, I'll tell you what. David Timmons has done a really good job with that. Cole Ponich is also, uh, you know, he's a junior, and uh, he's sneaking up on Carson. And, and then, you know, you, you name the rest of the guys, uh, you know, from four through seven. Yeah. Max Brenchley, Keanu uh, Brenchley, Akina. Akina, you got, um, heck, I'm going to miss somebody. Our freshman, Tyson Shelley is another. You know, these guys just, uh, they seem to step up right at the right time yeah. when another guy's having a rough day and, and gets the job done. So that's kind of what's been happening this year. Anybody that follows golf certainly knows the name Summer Hayes. Uh, that certainly stands out. Uh, Daniel Summer Hayes is on the coaching staff. W- what's his role been this year? You know, Daniel still, he has a lot of roles in his life. He still has some corn fairy status. He's teaching and really loves that. And I'll tell you what, uh, you know, he and I have talked about this, you know, coming in and helping the program for a couple of years as he's kind of, you know, played and played very well on the PGA Tour. But to come in as our volunteer assistant, you knew that there was going to be much more energy, just a new life to the team. And uh, he's been absolutely awesome. And he says, you know, Coach, I don't know how much time I'm going to be able to give you, but... um, Let's start off this first month or two, and, and let's see, maybe once a week, twice a week. Well, those first two weeks, he was down here five days a week, <laughs> and the, uh, you know, the energy changed. And yeah, so yeah. it's been real easy for me to just kind of step back. you got a PGA Tour player where every one of these guys want to be that's working with you on a regular basis, and uh, it's just been fun to see the energy. The same stuff that Coach Miller and I talk about all the time, Danny brings it with a new color, if you will, a yeah. new twist. And boy, the lights are on, and, and it's been really fun to watch. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. 
The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Bruce Brockbank, the head coach of BYU Men's Golf, with us on BYU Sports Nation. It's been a long road to get BYU to a point where you can recruit to a place that has a practice facility and your own putting green, your own driving range, because it is not a you know, play golf year-round type of school, but now it's becoming that for BYU. How much of a difference has that made to have your guys been able to go out whenever they want, get some putts in, hit some balls into a range, and, and how has that impacted the program? I think it's made a huge difference. Disc- you know, a difference. Um, we've had, you know, the best players in the state rather than, you know, go to another school in state or leave to go somewhere else. We've been able to keep them here because of that facility. So for recruiting, number one, and two, um, you know, for your guys to have a place and our girls team to go and, and be able to have a spot to, you know, when there's snow on the ground or the weather's bad like today, have a place to hang out and, and work on your skills, is uh, it makes a huge difference for sure. I'm assuming Spencer's kind of the same way here, but we, I, I get asked all the time, like with sports being your job, and you're around it all the time. When you leave work, do you want to just get away from sports? And I'm the exa- and I'm like saying no. Like that's what I love. Like that's when I'm when I leave, I'm watching other sports or listening to sports. Do you play golf for fun, for recreation, or like do you, when was the last time you did that? Well, you know what? I'd rather mow the lawn sometimes. <laughs> go I'm with you. Course. Yes, and talk you sports, whatever. Yeah, anything with sports. Go fishing or, or ride a motorcycle, do something different. But yeah, you, you have to get away. I, I like to play. Uh, the last 25 years, I haven't played a lot of golf, but, uh, you know, as I'm growing a little bit uh, older, have a little more time, I find myself out there on the golf course, and, and most of the time, I'm still very competitive, but I just like being with the guys and, and uh, spend a little time. Sure. It's about the company. Now, let's say that Todd Miller gets you a tee time at Augusta National. Are you going to make time for that one? I'll make time for that one. <laughs> There's quite a few courses he can get us on, too, and I'll, and I'll definitely make time oh, for that. Have you wild. ever been there, by the way? I've been there four or five times. So he just joined you. I went for the first time this Isn't April. Isn't it something? It is a magical place. It is a. You can't say it any better than that. It the, is the magical. closest I got was just watching the uh, the Greg Norman thirty for thirty when he was playing on it. That's as close as I've been. It's just watching it. <laughs> you need to get there because it gives it a whole different light. Oh man, oh man. Bruce Brockbank, the head coach, BYU men's golf, is with us on BYU Sports Nation. Let's talk. Uh, about your family a little bit, your daughter Ashton, you were a huge BYU women's soccer fan regardless, but then when she joined the team, like you became one of their number one fans. Now she's done, but she's coaching in high school. So how does your life change not having a student-athlete daughter at BYU? Well, I'll tell you what. It seems like yesterday she was starting at BYU, and, and Lisa and I were so excited. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden she's graduating starting a new life. Uh, I mean, it just went by so quick. And then she said, hey, what do you think if I uh, put my name in the hat for coaching? And I said, (laughs) what a great idea. And she goes, well, I'm going to give it a shot and see what happens. And lo and behold, there you go. She's going to, you know, take on that job and try to work with the girls. And that's what's so exciting to me because as as the coach in me tells her, hey, be careful. You know, I'm not sure you want to work with, uh, you deal with the parents. So just be aware of that. And she goes, (laughs) you know, her first comment back to me was, you know, I love the kids. I want to work with them. And, you know, that takes care of it right there. All the rest of it, it'll go away and it'll come and go, but she has the right attitude about it. You know, and it, it, 
obviously Ashton's part of a, an unbelievable soccer program and the legacy with soccer is, is obviously well uh, documented, you know, but we were talking about this move to the big 12 and with all of the sports, it, it, you know, football and basketball will always get the, the most attention, but I am so impressed with what BYU is going to be able to send as an athletic department to the next level. The Olympic sports, the Olympic, golf included. The Olympic sports on campus are amazing. Well, Jennifer's done a phenomenal job, and so many of our coaches have. And, and you're right. Our Olympic sports, are they'll be very competitive. We have a long way to go because there's some great programs out there uh, to try to rise to the occasion. But I, I think, um, you know, our Olympic sports are going to get that done. Okay, I do want to talk through some of the dynamics of regionals. Uh, what's your timetable for when you take off, where you're playing, and, and how the format will go for your team? We'll take off on Friday. We'll get a little practice round. We're going to go up and uh, play up at the Miller's course in Napa at Silverado. Just get a little fun day and maybe see some of the you know our past players and Andy Miller. Uh, Saturday, we'll play our practice round at 10 o'clock in the morning at Spanos Park. And we'll get out there right in the middle of all the public and, and get our practice round and uh, spend most of the day out there. We'll take day off Sunday, and then we play... 18 on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, just, you know, a week later than the girls and, and see if we can't get one of those top five spots. And just to clarify, same format as the girls' uh, top four teams out of a 12-team regional advance. Top five. The top girls, five. Okay. their finals is only 24 teams, as I understand. The men's, you'll have six regionals, five advance from each one of the regionals, so you'll have 30 teams. Gotcha. Okay. Coach, let's give you a huge dose of BYU Sports Nation karma. Thanks for hanging out with us during your busy schedule take it you can distribute it to uh, your guys as you deem necessary will do <laughs> to help them straighten out that shot just a little bit little tweaks maybe maybe one more up and down right <laughs> <laughs> okay well and i'm sending my good luck from my fingernails to you as well thank okay. you we, we'll need all that we can get <laughs> thanks, thanks coach. coach the best of byu sports nation will be back after this on byu radio This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Following the announcement that Utah State and BYU will no longer play, at least through the 2026 college football season, we thought, why not throw out some cases where you can decide if you would rather see the Aggies or another opponent similar to the Aggies or that's already on a future BYU schedule. Gotcha. You decide with this edition of Would You Rather. Let's bring in the fabulous Ben Bagley and that... Deep, deep, fantastic voice to set up these scenarios. It's like a game show voice. I know. Come on down. <laughs> uh, we'll start with 2023, guys. you got Tennessee and Arkansas on the schedule. So would you rather play Utah State or Tennessee slash Arkansas? Dave, you answer first. Uh, Tennessee slash Arkansas is who I'd rather play. Yeah, and, and here's I'm with you, and here's why. You don't say no to the home game with Tennessee because BYU already played there to pay that off. Like, you need to have Tennessee honor their end of the bargain. So that game's not going away. And then BYU needed Arkansas in Provo this year, so the Cougars had to say, yeah, we'll go to Arkansas and play that game. And remember, that was arranged before the Big 12 came knocking. So this wasn't an immediate issue of, hey, we can join the Big 12, let's go schedule Arkansas. That was already set. And I love the Tennessee home opener. That orange on opening night it's under the lights fantastic. on national TV. Yes. Spectacular. All right, Ben, next. All right, moving to 2024. Would you rather play Utah State or Nevada? Oh, now this one's interesting, okay? 
I would rather play Utah State in this instance, but the recent BYU has Nevada on the schedule, and I've gained some clarity on this in the past few days, is because Nevada agreed to take on a game with Georgia Southern, which took Georgia Southern off of BYU's schedule. So Bless, bless their hearts, because we're done playing those kind of teams. Yes. Nevada did BYU a solid by saying, hey, Georgia Southern is going to fly west. They're planning on flying west. We'll take that game, but BYU, we want to play you. So that's why the agreement happened there. And then there's an exchange of money on both sides of that as well. So Nevada gets money for playing BYU, and then Georgia Southern gets money for playing Nevada. So it's a three-team deal. Yeah. I I understand why Utah State fans are like, why are you playing Nevada? That's bull crap. (laughs) I, I get it. But that's why. It's it's more complicated in that instance. Thanks, Nevada, for sparing us, Georgia Southern. Hey, Spencer, just clarification on that deal, that three-team deal. Uh, is there future draft picks and cash consideration involved? <laughs> Still finding that out. All right, Ben, let's go next. All right, let's go 2027 2029. Would you rather play Utah State or Stanford? Well, I'd, I'd rather play Stanford. Really? Yeah, because too many BYU recruits have gone to Stanford. Okay, fair By point. then, they will have stopped going to Stanford, and Stanford deserves to pay the price for taking them in the non-P5 years. Okay, so you want to take away Stanford recruits. Let's play Stanford and, and beat them for taking away BYU recruits. See, I'm, I'm pretty down in the middle on this one um, because it's so far out there, yeah. and, like, 2027 would be the first year that BYU could, like, legitimately play Utah State. And so if, if it has if it comes down to that and it's like you can either like Utah's on the schedule and FCS opponents on the schedule, you can either play Stanford or Utah State. What like, if it's a home game with Stanford? Okay, then then you've swayed me to Stanford. If it's a road game, then I'm playing Utah State for sure. All right, I'll meet you on that one. Okay. Right, that sounds good. All right, Ben, next. All right, would you rather play Utah State or Utah on an annual Come basis? On. Come on, next no question. Brainer. This is no brainer. Next question. It's Utah. It should happen every year. Next All right, would you, State. would you rather play Utah State or Boise Ooh. State on an annual basis? Now, this is tricky, which is why we made it our poll question. You get more street cred playing Boise State around the country and with the pollsters. Yes. And with the strength of schedule guys. Even though Utah State won 11 games last year and they are playing really good football. I think you take Boise State if you're looking for what can I do in my three non-conference games to boost my chances at grandeur down the road, provided I survive the Big 12. Does BYU have to have grandeur in the non-conference if the schedule is so loaded? Maybe not. Maybe not, but if you're looking for that, this would be the That's the way. You want to make a statement early in non-conference, like, oh, they're not shying away. It just depends. It just depends. Um, And clearly, let's say we're talking 27 because Utah State's not even the list. Right, right. And Boise's off the table now after this season. Um, Yeah, I think maybe our perspective. Let's. Can we revisit this in 26? (laughs) Can we postpone this? In about four this? years, can we come back to this uh, would-you-rather question? I'll put a reminder in my phone for that, yes. <laughs> Let's get back to that one. All right, we'll go to the last one here. Would you rather play Utah State or an FCS oh, team every wow. year? See, this is Now, this is loaded because BYU essentially has opted for Southern Utah over Utah State in 2023. Yeah. But that's because they opted for Tennessee and Arkansas, and it's like, yeah, you already have Murderer's Row with Tennessee, Arkansas, nine Power 5 games in the Big 12. BYU needs a breather, which is why they went with Southern Utah. So, in 2023, yes, I get it. 2024 with Nevada's deal, I get it. After that, oh, man, I'd probably go Utah State after that, after the next two years. Yeah, I don't 
I think you've got to have an FCS team. Just to, yes, to give a, a breath. Because you're going to get one by. And you know what? Some FCS teams can, can give you trouble if you're not if you're not ready for it. But you need you're going to get one by from the league. This almost gives you two. Um, you know, in Idaho State, uh, Utah Tech, Weber State, Weber State, um, Southern Utah. In this and, schedule, and we instance. can look to the guys up north, up you know, at, at Utah and kind of how they've done it. There's always one in there, it seems. Yeah. Um, that seems to be the, the the way to go. Man. Yeah, FCS is the smart move. And I, I know, sorry, Utah State. My heart, the, want, my heart wants the Utah State game, but my mind says, no, 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 it's not smart. Yeah. That's a tribute to Utah State. They're a good program. They are a good program. They're a good program. If I had my way, Dave, 2027 and beyond, I'd alternate Boise State and Utah State every other year. And here's what I wouldn't do. I wouldn't go to Logan, but maybe one time every three meetings. Okay. Some people don't ever want to go to Logan again. Yeah, but, I mean, and that's just to be like, to be nice, to go up there sure. one time. Uh, they don't need that in this group of three teams to schedule. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific, on BYU TV and BYU Radio. BYU.